0: listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit TVCweb.com. So I wanted to start by asking a question. I'm going to talk about parent-child relationships today. This will cover obviously all kinds of relationships, but we're going to kind of zero in on parent-child. So all of you who are parents, and that's quite a number of you, Uh, All of you who are parents, let me just ask this simple question. Have you ever done something that your child saw that you wished with all your heart they had never seen? Would you just lift your hand if that was you? And those of you who are parents and never lifted your hand, you are lying. All right? Let's just be clear. That, That is obviously all of us. All of us have had this experience because... You know, because we're broken, because we do things, we make mistakes sometimes, and we want our kids to look up to us and respect us. You know, my, my, my dad, whom I was fairly scared of a lot in my life, he would, he would tell me, you can do this, you can not do that, that kind of thing, and then I would see him break those rules. And the two or three times that I worked up the nerve to say, well, you said not to, but you just, my dad did the same thing, every single time he looked at me very seriously and said, you do what I say, not what I do literally, literally, without any kind of, it wasn't humor, it was straight up serious. And I remember thinking to myself, what? You know, you, you say one thing, but you do another, and you're telling, and now I know as a parent, now, see, I, having parented, I understand that it probably wasn't that dad was quite as cavalier as he appeared. It was that he probably didn't know how to deal with it, because you feel bad. Your kids catch you doing something dumb. They see it, and it's like you feel ashamed. You want them to think you have integrity and character and all that. I I remember this is many years ago now. When my my kids, which are all adults, are were were uh, pretty young, and uh, it was the eve of an election, a presidential election. So a long time ago, and I'm watching the returns, and and uh, I felt like I you know was very interested in the outcome of it. And I remember that evening that the outcome was not what I had hoped for, and I was quite. Uh, distraught over it, these days I don't get distraught over nearly as much anymore, but I was quite distraught over it, and I remember some of the kids were still up, and I was walking from the living room, having watched the TV, into the kitchen, and I stubbed my toe, and out of my mouth popped a word that the kids had not heard me say before, and I had, anybody ever had that happen to you, or no, some of you like... No, I say that stuff all the time. They, you know. no, but but it, was like, it was like I stopped, because I remember one of the kids just went, whoa, dad. <laughs> it was like, I had two simultaneous thoughts. My first was, I'm so ashamed that this actually happened, that I said this in front of the kids, you know, that I even said it. And then my second thought was, which I didn't say out loud, why are you always around watching me? Go away. Leave me alone. You're underfoot all the time. You're you're bugging me and you and we 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 feel that way. Sometimes it's like the kids, I mean if you have kids, you know that happens. It does. And at almost 40 years now of parenthood, I can tell you that I've come to the conclusion that having children and trying to be a good parent thing, this is hard. <laughs> it's 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 hard. Of course, when you don't have kids, you're an expert, right? And then once you have them, you realize you didn't know squat. It's very hard. And so I'm going to talk about uh, parent-child relationships, but I I think I should start out by being clear on this, because I know some people uh, are known as being experts in the field of parenting. Uh, This is just my opinion, so you can take it for what it's worth. But I don't believe there is such a thing. I, I actually don't believe. I believe that everyone who has ever parented started out as an expert and wound up as a novice in parenting. Because they thought they knew. They thought they had it figured out. But it's just, it's entire, it, 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 the problem is, is that kids don't come with instructions. I mean, they don't. It, it, you, you don't know what to do with them. And they're all different. Oh my gosh, when Ann and I, because we, of course we were experts on parenting, we, we knew that all that our parents had done wrong and would never make those mistakes. And then we saw other people with their kids and we thought, those people are insane, we'll never do that. And then we had our first one. This is an interesting thing. It, he was a, a boy, our first, our, our first child was my, my oldest son, and he was the easiest baby ever. He hardly cried. He was just sweet, easygoing, fun. He never acted like he was starving to death. I mean, it was just, and of course, Ann and I just thought, well, of course, that's the way it would be because we know what we're doing as parents. (laughs) I mean, it's obvious. And then we had the second one. (laughs) And then we had the third. And we just couldn't learn because we had the fourth, fifth, and sixth before we were done. And every one of them taught us new lessons in humility. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean you think you got to figure out okay well we made it through this one we made you know and then you realize you know, you, no you you don't and and in your mind you have this image of like you're going to be the perfect family one of my kids sent me a picture this is a photograph that was actually taken so beautiful of emperor penguins, this is an emperor penguin family. Is that amazing or what? The mom and dad are head to head looking down at this baby who's looking up adoringly at them, and you look at that and you just go, oh my gosh, that's, you know, you think that's what family should be. But real family does not look like this. Real family is messy and scarred and torn and beaten up and all kinds of stuff. That's the way it works. And we want our family to be wonderful, but it just isn't quite that simple. And so, you know, I was thinking to myself, Actually, I thought, you know, I'm talking on family, but I realize it's so hard, so I thought I'd just say, best of luck, God bless you, let's close with prayer. (laughs) Of course, you know I'm not going to do that. So, Actually, actually, Scripture does speak to the issues of parenthood. Not volumes on it, but it does. Certainly, I think, uh, to know that we can upgrade our parenting, that we can actually do better in it. And I think, of course, all of us know that we can do better at it. Um, and, and so I want to talk about that, and, and really what I'm going to do is uh, kind of go through a, a pretty short list of things that I think will help us in parenting, and I want to say this is not just to you who are, uh, I know there's lots of you who are parents of younger children, but this is to everybody, this is to everybody, including uh, people who are, you know, your offspring are all adults now. It's you know, this is fascinating uh, thing that I've observed over the years, that as I talk with people, I hear every bit as much moaning and groaning and complaining about the parent-child relationship from people who are empty nesters whose children are now adults as I do from people who have smaller children. In fact, I would say this, it's, it never ceases to stun me how many relationships between parents and children are so distant that they don't even talk to each other. Fathers don't talk to sons. Daughters don't talk to fathers, whatever it is, or mothers. I'm, I'm always amazed by this, so much pain. So wherever you're at on the scale of uh, hood, if you will, I think there's something that you might hear today that's worth processing. And some of you are saying, well, I'm not a parent, and I'm pretty sure I never will be, and you, know, you don't want all that. And I, I appreciate that. But actually, some of this relates to any kind of relationship. So if you're willing to engage, I think that you'll learn something. So, so, so let, let me just clarify. Probably most of the things that I'm going to say... They're not going to be anything revelatory to you. It's not going to. look, Look, I'm a pastor, okay? So part of what I do for a living is I talk, and I love to listen to good preachers. And it's not uncommon for me to be out on my daily walk somewhere in the woods or on a back road or whatever it is, and I'll be listening to a podcast, and they'll say something, and it'll be like, boom, it hits me right there. It's like, oh. But it is almost never, oh, I never knew that. It is, oh. I think I kind of let go of something that I knew. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not so much that I have to hear something new it's that I'm reminded that I need to reapply truths or principles that I've known in my life but I've kind of wandered from or let go of. And so And so let me just, let me just set this up. This, this is real simple by, by being real clear on this. I, what i'm going to talk about this weekend is is about not acting in a reactive way. So some of you are going, oh man, he's talking about parental." I hope he can help me because my, I'm going to kill my kid if something doesn't change. And, and I understand that feeling. All of us feel that. But, 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 but just hear me now because what I want you to hear is, is that you may hear something that will help you in a crisis that you're in. But you may not be in a crisis. Things may be pretty good with your family right now. But this is an observation. You take it for what it's worth. I think many of us, often when it comes to our family, we kind of float through our days we just we just kind of i got to get through this week and i got to get through today if i can just make it through to friday or whatever it is you know we're kind of floating through our days and what we're doing really when it comes to our family is we're mostly living reactively instead of proactively and what I want to challenge you on, it's real simple, is just to simply stop being reactive when it comes to your family and start living proactively. In other words, you don't, look, look, look you, you know this. Learning to swim in rough seas is much harder than learning to, to swim when it's calm. And so I'm just challenging in your, in your family, what are you doing these days Proactively, how are you building your relationships with your children or your husband or your wife? Live, stop being reactive and start living proactively. I think there's something very important in this. Invest in your family. So if you want this is us, our family, whatever your family looks like, maybe you're you know, a husband and wife and a couple kids or maybe you're a single mom with a, a child or whatever, what, however your family looks, if you want your family to look healthy, I'm going to give you three things here and I just want you to think about these real simple things. I think if you want it to get healthy, one of the things, particularly when it comes to parenting, that you have to work on, you have to work on, is the idea that you have to be gentle with your kids. And I know some of you are like, well, you said it wouldn't be anything new, and this isn't an obvious brain-dead thing. You know, we've all seen the billboards, never shake a baby and all that. All of us know, and it's real comfortable to say, you know, in a climate like this, we're in this climate-controlled room right now with, with comfortable seats and everything, and we're all just like, of course we are gentle with those precious little things. Of course you are. And that is right. We all agree. But let's just be honest here that when something happens, when emotions get amped, when there is an adrenaline dump in your body because something happens, gentleness is one of the first things to fly out the window. Come on, is that true? Okay. That's about four people nodded and the rest of you look like angels. Gentleness often flies out the window when you get angry. Is that true? It is. I mean, it it really is. And I understand, again... You know, we all agree, yeah, you, you need to be gentle with those precious little lives. But when those, one of those precious little lives, for example, takes a hatchet to a piece of your furniture in your home, it's like gentleness magically disappears, and in this place comes frustration and anger. And you all know what I'm talking about. And the reason I use that example, some of you have heard me tell the story, but, but this actually happened with me when I was a little kid. So I must have been maybe five, I don't know, six or four, five, six, something like that. But I'm, I, I'm almost positive that I, this happened uh, uh, that my parents had given me as a gift a hatchet. Now, I know some of you are going, you were that age and your parents gave you a hatchet? Things were different back then, all right? Seriously, they were. You were lucky if the bus driver was sober most days when I was a kid. <laughs> my gosh, it was a different world. And I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I lost some of you right there, didn't I? <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm pretty sure my parents regretted that gift, but they gave it to me and I was looking for something to use it on. And, and in my bedroom was a very ornate piece of furniture, a dresser that my parents had put in there. And it had all rounded angles. Every one of the curves were you know, all curved, beautifully smooth and ornate and all that. And I thought it needed some right angles to it. And so I used my hatchet on one corner actually trying to right it. And I worked on it for a while and I gave up after one corner because I realized I, was, I had done bad. Of course, I didn't tell my parents. But when my parents saw this, when they saw that I had done this, They experienced that universal emotion that every parent feels at that time, which is frustration and confusion and anger. How could this precious little creature that I held in my arms and kissed and cooed at do something so stupid and destructive as this? Anybody ever felt that feeling? And all the parents said... And it's like, ah, you you just it's like, oh my gosh, you're just so angry. How could they? I I held this baby. How could this be so destructive? But they do. And when those moments occur and they happen, these inexplicable things that kids do, which are so dumb. And when you ask them, why did you do that? What do they say? (laughs) And they don't. They really don't know. They're just dumb. And in that moment, when that happens, you're not going, oh, sweetie, you took an ax to the furniture. Bless your little heart. You're mad. You're angry. You feel enormous frustration welling up on the inside of you. And of course, you know, you you try to console yourself and say, well, you know, when they get older, it'll get better. To all of you young parents, I hate to notify you of this. But wait until they get old enough to drive. If you think furniture is expensive, I mean, this is, this is it doesn't go away. Here are the facts. Kids are going to break more things than you ever dreamed possible. And when it happens, you're going to be frustrated and angry and feel resentful. And none of those feelings are sin or wrong. It's human. You are going to feel that way. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's where we get into problems. See, where the temptation of our children is to do some dumb thing that is destructive to stuff, our temptation is to misuse our power. Don't miss this. Our temptation is in those moments to misuse our power. Because, see we're frustrated, we're angry, you just saw the thing that your kid destroyed, you just saw this thing that's gonna cost you enormous work or enormous money or it's brought you great disappointment and so you had this rise of anger, this chemical reaction, adrenaline is dumped into your system so you are geared up now, you're charged, you're angry and you're bigger than them and you're stronger than them And you have all the power in this relationship. And nobody's watching. There are no obvious social constraints. You're standing in the room with your child who has just committed a heinous crime. And you have the power. And you have the authority. And you're bigger And no one is there watching you, which in normal social settings, when we have somebody watching us, we think twice. But in these situations where there is none, what happens is, is that all too often in the privacy of our homes with children who are small and have no power to really deal with this, we allow that adrenaline and anger and rage to overflow. And some of you are saying, well, I've never physically beaten my kids. But I'm gonna tell you something, folks. When you let that anger overflow and you lose a spirit of gentleness, it flows out onto them and you're yelling at them and you're angry and you're acting mad and resentful and you're talking to them in a nasty, hard way because that's how you feel. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think some kids have been every bit as beaten up emotionally as they have been physically. Because the temptation is just to kind of let it come up, and then we overpower them, and of course, then we feel bad, and then we say to them, honey, I'm so sorry, mommy did, you know, mommy just got really angry, and she's, and kids are so amazing, aren't they, because they're like, I forgive you, mommy, don't cry, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and they mean it, but I'm going to tell you something, I don't want you to miss this, I don't want you to miss how important this is, they do mean it, but what you did gets lodged in their soul. And it is not so simple as you saying, I'm sorry, honey, and it goes away. It lodges in their soul. And they will carry that with them through much of their life. Often they have to get help to deal with that because we've caved into that pressure. This stuff lodges in the soul of your kid. Beware of losing sight of gentleness. Now this isn't always the case, all right? So be careful of, accusing me of making a blanket statement, but I will tell you that I think this is a real struggle for men, fathers, often. I'm not sure why that is, if it's the hunter-killer instinct in us, you just got to get in and get this taken care of and do all this, and we kind of overpower our kids and we, we, we push them down, but actually it's strong enough that Scripture speaks specifically to fathers about this, because I think it's a propensity that you see in dads sometimes. This is what it says, this is in In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 it says, fathers don't, what? Exasperate your children. Don't exasperate them by coming down hard on them. Instead it says take them by the hand and and lead them in the way of the master. In other words, you act with a spirit of gentleness. And this is something, I mean, this is is so hard. But I think what it's teaching us as dads is, is that we need to make sure that we are fighting to stay gentle. And I'm talking about with your younger children, but I'm also talking about with your old children. Again, sometimes I'm stunned in conversations with, with parents of adult children when they, have, when they talk about conversations they have with their kids, and I just think, Do you people have no filters in your life. You just speak with such anger and resentment, and you say these things. Do you understand the pain and the grief you're causing because you're not choosing the path of gentleness? We have to fight this. Because if you don't, dads, listen to me, you can easily overpower your kid. And I've been guilty of this. And I've tried not to because I was raised with that kind of thing. But I'm telling you, listen to me, dads, and this is true for moms too. You may win the argument, but you lose the child. Beware of losing sight of a spirit of gentleness. One of the things that I've been doing for a lot of years now is in my interactions with my kids, because even as adults sometimes you just think, That's, you just did the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you love your kids, and, and they're adults, and you, 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 I mean, they're making their own way in the world, but you look at some of the things they do, and you're just like, that is stupid. What is wrong with you? Come on, any, am I alone, or is there anybody in here with me? I know some of you are by your kids going. And one of the things that I've been working on, and I'm not always successful in this, but I've been working at it, is when I get into an encounter where I'm, I feel like, you know, the energy is amping in the air and all that. You know what I'm talking about. And you start to feel like anger rising. And I ask myself, now how do you want this moment to be remembered in ten years? And is it a big enough deal that it even should be remembered? Because there's something about putting some historical perspective on things to help you realize that's not as big a deal in the scheme of life as it feels in this moment. And I'm just—I think we should be asking ourselves. And of course, this idea of gentleness—this is a mandate for Christ followers across the board. You know, this is Ephesians four two says, "Be completely humble." Say those next two words out loud with me. And gentle. Completely, completely, humble, and, 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 and then and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another, in love. This is what we're 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 called to. The question, of course, is how do you stay gentle? How do you stay in that place when you're furious and you have the power and there are, you know, a lack of social constraints so nobody's going to see except your kid and you got the power and, and the authority over your kid and you're in the moment. How do you, how do you, you're only human. I mean, how do you deal with this? And this is just, this is me saying this now, all right? I think there's biblical precedence for this, but I, I will tell you that I think the single biggest thing you can do when you are in a setting with one of your children, be they adults or be they young, particularly when they're young, and you feel anger rising up on the inside of you, and you are in that battle, here's the single most important thing, from my perspective, the single most important thing you can do in that setting. Walk away from it. Walk away from it. Not for good. I'm not saying you ignore it and act like it didn't happen. Step back. Walk away from it. Distance yourself for a period of time. Because, have you found, like what i found, is that when... You actually pull the plug and let a little bit of the anger out that it opens the floodgates and it all comes pouring out. And so instead of a reasoned discourse with your child, it just goes into you being angry and ventilating. And I know some of you are going, well, my kid's three years old. You can't just leave the kid in the house who's three years old. Don't tell me you haven't wanted to. And I understand you you can't, but you can go into the bathroom and shut the door. You can do what you have to do to distance yourself from that. It, it, listen, listen. Make sure that you give yourself a chance. Because there's a chemical reaction that happens in you when anger spikes. Uh, do not do not underestimate the power of adrenaline when it, when it hits your system. It is a drug reaction inside you. It is, it is profound, really. And what happens is, is you have to let that begin to drain out of your system. This is what Scripture says. This is a writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 29, 11. Fools vent their anger. It's like something comes up, it's like, psh, off it goes. You know, whatever's going on, they just let it go. But the wise, quietly, would you read the next three words out loud? They hold it back. Now, in light of all the Scripture, it's not saying you never deal with it. It's saying you step back from letting it become a time of ventilation in that moment. And there's something very powerful when we do this. Recent years in my life, I've been trying to apply what I call, because I'll be honest with you, I struggle with anger. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I'd just be scared by how many of you are like me probably. (laughs) But I I, I struggle with anger. It's it's one of my knee-jerk responses when I get you know, frustrated about something, I find myself getting angry. I just, I just do. And one of the things I've been, and I've talked about this in the last couple of years, I try to apply what I call the eight plus hour rule. And that is, when I feel it rising up, I want to step back out of the situation, out of the moment. I'm not giving up on it. We will come back. We will address it. We will talk about it. We will deal with it. But I'm going to step out of this thing, for I have found for me that I need at least eight hours to let the interactions that are happening inside me that aren't even related to the communication I would have with whoever the person is, that they begin to drain. And this is what I found, is that if I give myself some time and I let the physiological stuff drain out and settle out, and I give myself just a little bit of time to process it, I get to see it in a better light. And so when I step back in and say, now let's talk about this, I'm not bringing all the energy. And so, and I'm not perfect in this, but this has been something that I've been working very hard on in my life, and I think I've experienced a fair amount of success. I always deal with sticky situations better and more gently when I'm not under the influence of anger. And since children, particularly with children, we have this unquestioned power, nowhere in my estimation does this matter more. And I'm just... I'm just going to say this now in a kind of a pleading way. If you are a parent, particularly of younger children, this is something that you struggle with. And this is true with dads. This is true with moms. And it is not something you seem to be getting better at. I beg you to get help. I understand you're saying, I've never struck my child but I'm telling you that you can strike them with words and spirit and do great damage. And I would challenge you to help talk to somebody. Go to somebody and just say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I wonder if, if you would just pray with me about it. If you would ask me questions about it. If we, I could stay kind of in a relationship with you on this. There's power in that. You know, this is why, and I know some of you are going to go, you harp on this all the time, but this is why I love small groups, what we call life groups at TVC. Because in a life group, this is the amazing thing that happens. It doesn't happen right away. It it can take a while. But eventually, you get to know each other well enough that these things will start to surface in the group. And here's what you will get from that group, which is different than any other setting almost entirely in your life. Because you are gathered for the purpose of growing in Christ you will get from them responses that you will not get from the people at work, from the people in your neighborhood, from the people in other social settings in your life, because they will speak about what God's desire for your life is. And you need that. But sometimes, and there may be some listening to this, you even say, Jeff, I'm in a group, but I'm still I'm struggling. Honestly, I'm struggling. Then I would say to you, You need to get counseling. And I'm tempted to go off on a rabbit trail on how powerful counseling is, but I will just say this to you, okay? Counseling, I have never, I have paid for a lot of counseling in my life. Marital, personal, and I have never enjoyed writing a check or using a card for any of it but it hurts me to spend money any time, all right? So that's just a reality. But it is, I would argue, at the top of the best money I've ever spent. And if you don't know where to turn, you call our office, talk to us about it. We will help point you in some directions where you can find some encouragement and some help. But the idea is, get help. Be gentle. Be gentle. And yet, because, and now this is particularly to parents of younger children, just because you're being gentle doesn't mean that you must forget that not only should you be gentle, but you're still the parent. You're still the leader in the home. So be gentle, but also be in charge. Now, I, I don't want to spend and an rant on this too long, but I'm, I'm just going to say this to you, all right? Sometimes I think parents go so far the other way because they're so determined. I'm not going to be gentle. I'll never speak, you know, I'll never upset my child and everything. They go so far the other way that they lose their authority as a parent. And I believe that that is a mistake. And of course, some parents, and some of you are going to get mad at me for saying this, but some of you probably, even sitting in this room, you believe that the child that you have in your home or your children, their heart is at its base good and righteous. And you're nuts if you think that's true. I mean, I don't want to be mean, but my gosh, how many kids do you need to have to learn that they're broken from coming out of the womb, and they're trouble, and that's all of us, folks? Come on, is that true? So, what are kids? What's their first words? No and mine. That shows the basic goodness of the human heart, right there, doesn't it? No, we're broken. And parents sometimes, I think they think, well, the kid's wonderful, and they'll figure it out, and they'll work it out, and they don't want to interfere. They just want them to, you know, to to come to themselves and be all this. And they lose sight of the fact that God has placed you in their life for a reason, and it is to help them become all that they can be and who they should be. And all along, the truth is, all through the Bible, it's clear, we're all a mess, you know, some people say, well, the, the heart of my child is just wonderful. No, you're, the, I can tell you what's in the heart of your child. Foolishness. The Bible talks. Look at this. Proverbs 22, 15. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Hey, all the kids sitting in here, that's an awesome verse, isn't it, right there? You're like, dang it, dang it. That's in the Bible? Yeah. And it's not necessarily referring to beating them physically. This is the idea of discipline makes a massive difference in the life. Your child needs direction and discipline. And they're born with self-centered traits, as I said, like all of us. And though a parent may think it honors a child to let them rule their own lives, it can be a radical mistake, really. It's not an act of love. Look at this. Here's another scripture from Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 24. It says, a refusal to correct is a refusal to love. It's fascinating, isn't it? It says, love your children by what? Disciplining them. Discipline is actually an act of love. Now, no kid ever believes that until they become a parent. And every parent knows that disciplining is hard and painful. And when a parent says to a child, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, they actually mean it. Because it hurts to discipline your children. You do not want to do it. Now, I don't want to belabor this. But you are not a bad parent if you don't let your kids do everything they want to do. And if you do teach them that there are boundaries and consequences. And don't miss this. And by being in charge in their lives, I don't mean that you fix everything for them and that you always make it right and easy. I'm talking, you let them make the mistakes. And then you help them understand, listen, you help them understand the principle of consequences. Because life holds consequences. You teach them by bringing, when they make a mistake, when they cross a boundary, you apply discipline. And what you're doing when you apply discipline is you're teaching them in love about the truth of consequences in life. So if you say this is a boundary, and if you cross this, these will be the, the things that will happen. This is the discipline that will happen in your life. This is not punitive. This is not you being angry. What this is, is this is a real simple thing. This is you teaching your children that life has consequences. And while we're talking about this, can I just say something here? And this is gonna sound like meddling, but I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna say, it because I think, it needs, I think we need to hear this. For all you parents, of, particularly of younger children, okay, if you say to your child, listen to me now, listen. If you say, if you do this, then this will happen. Then do that thing. Nothing, nothing I think is more confusing to a child than, and you've all seen this where somebody's in some place and they're like, honey, you stop that or I'm going to put you into timeout. And then the kid does it again. And because they're tired, or because they're distracted, or whatever it is, because they just don't want to bother with it, because it's always difficult to, to go through because when you put them in timeout, then they're like, ah, you know, and you don't want to bother with that, so you just ignore it. But then the kid goes, Oh. <laughs> and they try it again because they did it, and you said this will happen, but it didn't. So they do it again, and then they do it again, and then do it a third time. And this is what happens, and I've watched it so many times, is like about the fifth or sixth time the parent finally goes, Berserk! I told you and told you and told you, and then they scream and yell at them, and then they put them into timeout, and then this Big Harry. Hey, l- l- listen to me. Now you don't realize you're doing this, but can I tell you what you're saying to your children? This is what you're saying to your children. When you do that, this is what you're saying to your children. Honey, I just want you to know I'm insane. <laughs> I'm completely nuts. Because I tell you one thing, but I don't follow through. And then later on, I just go ballistic for what appears to be no good reason at all. I am crazy, honey. Just get used to it. And you would never say that, and your kid would never maybe consciously put that together, but that is the message you get from you. <laughs> you never know when she's going to blow. And you'd be like, well, if you would just do what I say. No, 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 because when they don't do what you say, you don't do anything about it, and then suddenly you go nuts, and you're communicating to your kid, I am a crazy person. Listen, this is so powerful. Don't miss this truth. Kids thrive inside of understandable boundaries. When you set a boundary, and you say the consequences will be, if they cross a boundary, then the consequences must be whatever you said, unless you realize Then in a moment of frustration, you set the consequences as too far out or too big. And then you say, okay, I want to back up because I made a mistake on the consequences. The consequences, this is not what I want. This is what I'm going to do. Just be honest about it. But when they cross the boundary, you apply the consequences. I hate to say it because I do this all the time, but that's good preaching right there. I hope you can hear that. No, I'm serious. I'm not looking for applause or anything. Just, 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 Just hear me. Your kids thrive when they understand the system. But so often what happens is they simply don't understand the system. And when you set up boundaries, and then they cross the boundary, and then you apply the consequences, just to understand, don't do it in anger. So if you're angry in that moment, then you step back. Because here's the deal, is, is ventilating your anger is not discipline. You may feel better, but the kid's wrecked. Because what you were doing was not instructing, you were ventilating. Do not ventilate and call it discipline, because that is not discipline, that is punishment. And that's a huge mistake. All right, so you got to be gentle, you got to be in charge. Let me give you one more, and then we're going to be done here. And that is, is that when a boundary gets crossed, and then you apply consequences, then once it's done, then you have to be forgetful. I honestly believe that one of the biggest ways we wreck our kids is when we keep dragging up past fails. Because what we are communicating to the child when we do that, it's real simple. What what we're communicating to them is, you can't win because I will not forget that you have failed. And when you drag up past stuff, and this is often the way, this is how we do it often is, we're so furious. We go, this is the same stupid thing you did two weeks ago and two weeks before that. You never learn. And I understand that you're frustrated and angry, but what you're doing there is ventilating. And when you have applied consequences to a boundary crossing, When it is done, it should be, can anybody tell me? Done. And you do not bring that one back up again. Because you communicate to the child a very confusing message. I can't win. I said I was sorry. I paid the damages. I did what I was supposed to do. I paid the penalty. I did all that. But now you're throwing it right back in my face again. There is no winning with you. Do you you hear how these subtle messages come through to our kids? So, this is what we do. We get angry, we get frustrated, and then we grab the bucket of past failures. And what makes it hard is, is that kids tend to be repeat offenders. Have you noticed that? Because foolishness is bound in their heart, like all people, they have a propensity to be repeat offenders. So they do the same thing over and over. And you're like, when are you, what is what is wrong with you? And we move it from a single offense to a life pattern, and we say to our kids, You'll never change. You know, I've talked about my, my, my father, and my dad struggled with anger. I didn't realize until after his death that he probably struggled with post-traumatic stress disorder and all that stuff, but, but he was angry. And I believe that if my dad were here right now, that he would tell you that he deeply regretted that in his anger he would do that thing. He would remind me of every past thing he could think of and he would say, you're stupid, you will never change. You will never amount to anything. And I believed him. Beware what you say to your kids. And I've spent a great deal of my life trying to prove dad wrong. Well, yeah. And I'm not saying this because I got dad issues. I'm I'm trying to give you an example. I, I felt like this was one I wanted to learn from. So when our kids were younger, and I would apply discipline to the breach of a boundary and the consequences, you know. Of course, especially when they're younger, you know, they're crying and they're all upset. And then you bring them in your arms. They're like, I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry. And this is what I would say to them, because this was my commitment. I would say, I forgive you. And then I would move them out, away from me a little bit, and I would just say, and it's done. It's done. And I will not bring this back up again. And I worked pretty hard at doing that. I'm not sure that I was at all perfect in that. What I'm saying to you is, This stuff isn't complicated. It's just hard work. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And I think with God's help, we can make a difference. Be gentle. You know, just be, be gentle. Be in charge. Those of you who are parenting younger children. And then for all of us, we should be forgetful. And if it's done, it's done. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet and uh, we'll close with prayer.